Hi, and welcome to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge with Senior Ministers John and Anne Giuliano. Have you ever wondered about how to better connect with God? Well, that's exactly what we're going to help you with in this week's show, where you'll learn how to more fully love God, grow spiritually, and help others. Those of you who don't know me, I've had quite a history with this church. Uh, I was actually... Uh, very much involved for about 21 years, and God called me into wider fields of endeavour for evangelistic purposes. And so it's, uh, but it's occurred to me and occurred to many other people. And uh, when I spoke in 21st of January, uh, the thing that was very much on my heart is to sound the alarm for the need for a widespread spiritual revival in Australia. Anyone who read the census of 2016 would have to agree that uh, there seems to be a reported diminution of Christianity in the nation people who claim to be Christian, and also uh, we've seen, uh, this has been going on for years of course, but it seems to have climaxed in recent times, and the reduction of people attending churches and uh, the faith habits of some people who call themselves Christians has been alarming. Uh, These matters are no surprise to me, I've been observing them for many years and been great in anguish about it, particularly since 1994 when the Lord visited me and gave me a real shake and told me to get out and preach the gospel. Uh, But it would seem like the enemy of our souls, the devil has been having a field day. And, uh, but it was in late 2015 that I was actually in bed, uh, recovering from a lung condition, which I thank God that I've actually been healed of. I was asleep in the early morning and uh, I dreamed a dream. And in that dream, I saw a book brilliantly white coming down from above. It was as bright as magnesium burning or as bright as an arc. If you've ever seen an arc welder burning, you can't look at it, it would damage your eyes. And, but on that book, I could see the word uh, God written across the top. And just underneath it, I could see the letters REV, but I couldn't read it, the rest of the letters, uh, very clearly at all because it was so, so bright. And a voice spoke through the book, and the voice said, They, now they, I took to mean the world, they have had their sexual revolution, they have had their socialist revolution, they have had their secular humanist revolution, now is the time for the God revolution. And uh, as I heard this, suddenly I saw these. Uh, these chapter headings pour out the side of the book in black, quite by contrast to what I saw on the front page. So immediately when I woke up, I, I wrote all these chapter headings down and uh, I immediately rang my uh, web-based marketing guy and asked him to reserve godrevolution.com.au and the uh, format of Australia for Jesus came out of that. We've since written a book which has come out in video form. You can access it on godrevolution.com.au and our goal is to, is to raise up across Australia and by God's grace, New Zealand also, 10,000 soul winners in the nation. I was talking to a bishop in the Anglican church and he says that, that uh, he felt that soul winning had become something of a lost art. And uh, we want to see that transform. And we know it's not going to be done by human effort because the scripture says it's not by might, meaning human strength, and it's not by, by power, meaning human authority, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's what we look forward to. And today, what we want to talk about is the, the whole matter of the, the sword of the Spirit, meaning the sword of the Holy Spirit. And I want to draw your attention to the first book of Samuel, chapter 13. And I'll read a portion to you just to give you a bit of an idea. Uh, there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, if they have a blacksmith there, they'll make swords and spears. So all the Israelites would have to go and get their tools sharpened by the Philistines. Could you imagine that? You weren't allowed to have any swords. And they charged a fair fair portion for you actually to get these swords sharpened and 
well, not swords, plowshares, mattocks, forks and axes, and uh, even the points of goads. So it came about on the day of battle, if ever there was to be a battle, there was neither sword nor spear found in the land of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. Saul was the king at the time, Jonathan his son. But there was a sword in the hand of Saul and of Jonathan his son. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. And uh, Michmash is something you can probably study later, but it does have a particular meaning, and it relates to the line of division between Philistines and, and Israel. But the Philistines had been provoked by Jonathan earlier. He had uh, done what the King James Version would say, he had smote the Philistines. Now, to be smote means he got his sword and he really whacked into them and claimed the lives of about a 1,000 of them. And uh, he had poked the bear. And I give tribute to uh, Pastor Steve Penny, who's actually talked about this in late 2017 or early 2018, in a trumpet call sermon he gave at Hillsong, where he said that he wanted to raise a cry, a cry in Australia and a cry for all of the people, uh, that God is going to do a shift. And that shift uh, will have to do with the, uh, the investing of the church in the direct activity of the gospel. And he states this in, in this particular sermon. So I drew some of my inspiration from something he called attention to, but I want to enlarge it and show how it is taking action right here in this very church and churches elsewhere across the nation. So just to give you a little bit of an insight here is that because there was no sword in the land at the time, Jonathan was the only one that had a sword. If we go to the next slide, looking at the text there in 1 Samuel 14, what Jonathan said is, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. That was the way that the Jewish people talked about the people who were not Jews. They weren't in the covenant of God. And uh, so it may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Just say that with me, would you? Nothing restrains the Lord by saving, from saving by many or by few. Notice that bit about few. It doesn't take more than much of a spark to start a fire. So his armour bearer said to him, look, do all that is in your heart. Go, I'm with you. My heart is with your heart. Isn't it great to have someone with you in the battle who says, I'm with you. No matter what happens, we're in this. And uh, it's two is better than one, the scripture says. And Jonathan said, very well, let's cross over to, the, uh, to these men and we'll come and show ourselves to them so that the garrison peering down from their battlements can look at us and uh, they'll see what they'll say. And if they say to us, come up here, uh, then we'll know the Lord is with us. If they say, wait there and we'll come down to you, then we'll know the Lord's not with us. So that was a bit of a test. But the interesting thing is that Jonathan uses the word, maybe if they say, come up here, then the Lord is with us. And I rather find that interesting that he was working on a maybe. He didn't have absolute certainty. So he was indeed a very, very brave man. So when they did show themselves to the Philistines, guess what? The Philistine says, oh, here are the Hebrews come out of their, come out of their holes. See, what had happened is that about 200,000 troops had gone into Israel to swamp the place and to, to, to be an occupation force there, so much so that the Israelites had gone into dens and holes they'd hidden from the enemy. And it reminds me somewhat of what's happened in Australia today. You know, we've been doing all sorts of reactive things as the church in relation to the political scene and to the social scene. But very, very few Christians actually take hold of the sword of the Spirit and speak to people and declare the gospel to them. Let's get back to the example with uh, Jonathan. 
So they discovered themselves to the Philistines and the Philistines said, look, come up here and we'll show you a thing or two. That's what the Philistines said. They, they outnumbered these guys. So obviously very brave guys, you know, about 20 or 30 or 40 of them. And so Jonathan said, obviously the Lord's with us. Come up after me. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees. Now, that's a bit of a symbol for us. Hands and knees. That's a great way to approach the destiny of God has for you. With his armor bearer after him. And the, the enemy fell before Jonathan. So he just was moving his sword like this, if you just imagine. And after a, a short time in a space about the size of our car park out there, there were 20 dead bodies. 20 dead bodies. If any of you have ever been in the ring fighting, you've got no idea how much that taxes you if you've ever been in a boxing ring fighting, how much that taxed Jonathan. And yet that was the sword of the Lord. That was the sword of the spirit at work bringing about the destruction of the enemy. And as a result, there was a huge earthquake and trembling in the camp of the Philistines and each man began to fall one upon the other and knife each other. And Saul and the others discovered that uh, there was something afoot, that Lord was doing something. And even the Hebrews that had actually sided with the Philistines, they'd always be collaborators, uh, they left the Philistines and the surrounding company and they joined in with the Israelites and uh, they were with Saul and Jonathan and the Lord wrought a great victory that day and so the Lord saved Israel and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. So I'm just bringing that out to you today to say that Israel then parallels Australia today. We have got, to a certain extent, Christians in dens and holes and intimidated by the enemy. I picked up a book just on Friday that someone gave me called Turn the Tide. Don't you like the name of that book? Turn the Tide, religious, Reclaiming Religious Freedom in Australia. I don't know if I'm interested in reclaiming religious freedom. I'm interested in reclaiming Australia for Christ. I'm interested in seeing God's people get out there and declare the everlasting gospel. I'm interested in seeing people wielding the sword of the spirit so that people will come alive in Christ. But look, look what the atheists they use the term secular humanism to describe atheism. Respectable, nice-sounding name. No, it's not really that respectable. Uh, deliberately undermining Christianity. That's chapter 3. Why has all this happened? Why is there persecution on Christians here in Australia? Unbelievable. And unbelievable laws that are bastarded. 40 years ago, you'd never have heard of. People wouldn't have even discussed those things in polite, decent company. And yet today, they are a right, and they're given a righteousness established by atheism that they don't deserve. But here is what a particular humanist strategy follows four stages. When you hear the word humanist, read atheist. In fact, they'll substitute that because that's what it is. Create tolerance of humanist ideas that are contrary to the norms, values and beliefs of a Christian heritage society. Then pressure the authorities and society until humanist beliefs and behaviours are given equality with the pre-existing norms of society. Right, eh? Then reverse the norms and values of society so that Christianity begins to seem foolish, get that, backward, evil and a threat to human progress. And then the last one, work to make the previous norms of the formerly Christian society illegal. That's where we're heading, brothers and sisters. And how do we overcome that? How do we overcome that? Well, do you love your country? 
I was uh, attending a conference with uh, Margaret Court, the famous tennis player, a person who's both in the minds of many famous and in the minds of others infamous. And, uh, and she said, do you love your country? I heard that. Sometimes when someone's speaking, you hear a particular phrase and I awaken to it. Do you feel anguish at what we see is being thrust upon us in terms of the laws and filthy practices that the ungodly, the uncircumcised would put upon us? Are you concerned about the spiritual state of our people, that there are so many lost and going to hell at this time who have no knowledge of a living saviour that you know about? If you do, just keep listening. See, immorality of all kinds induced by state-based uh, secular humanism has been infecting and destroying the lives of people like a disease at an increasing pace. So I won't go into it in great detail, but here is Jonathan, and he's saying, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of inaction and excuses. He says to his armour bearer, let us go over to the garrison of the Philistines. Now, I wouldn't go over to the garrison of the Philistines unless I had one thing, unless I had the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I wouldn't take anything else to them other than the Word of God. Brothers and sisters, we are at war. You only need to understand that. If you're having a bit of a hard time here and there, it's nothing to the hard time that will come if we neglect the responsibility of preaching the gospel to others. The secular humanists have deliberately and continually with great fervour been undermining Christianity these past years. You know that in 1980, just to give you an idea about the fervour of the enemy, in, 19, in the 1980s in South Africa, a band of Satanists got together to fast and pray for 40 days so that the destruction of marriages amongst pastors and Christian leaders in the West would become a pattern and would continue to roll on and roll on and roll on and continue to sort of undermine the whole family structure. So that Christians would make bad decisions when they get married, marrying unbelievers, all sorts of things. Our enemy is horrible and cruel and will do anything to forestall the progress of the gospel. But there's one name that he cannot overcome and there's one weapon he cannot withstand. That name, of course, is the name of Jesus. The name above all names, the name that has all the authority in heaven and earth, the name when heard by Satan, he knows the day will come when he must bow the knee. Even now he must shrink back whenever that name is uttered over his head or any of those of his ugly minions. Now after five years ago, about five years ago, Jerry Kevorkian said, I must go to Chatswood and tell people about Jesus. So Jerry, who will join us on the platform now, along with his company, uh, lifted up the sword of the Spirit. So come and join us, Jerry. Come and join us, uh, David and Marie Louise and and uh, David Nettleton and Michelle, if she's here, and uh, Madhu and anybody else who's here. Now, these uh, wonderful people invited me to come and be with them in Chatswood Mall, just outside Lemon Grove, just in case you're making a note for the next opportunity. I think that's the 16th of June. And we started off with prayer at 8.30am, uh, praying for souls, and then around about 10.30 we end up at uh, Chatswood Mall, and on the first occasion, I went through there just uh, using my little way of life presentation, which is on my iPhone, just asking people what's the point of life. And I wouldn't have gone 10 paces 
before two people came to the Lord and, four, and two other people, at least they heard the gospel. So there were four presentations and two people came to the Lord. And all these guys are looking on agog and saying, we've got to get into this. So the following week, we had 12 people turn up. The following fortnight, we had 12 people. And then after that, we had uh, even more people turn up. So I'm going to get Jerry uh, a microphone here. That's always a dangerous thing for a soul winner. And, uh, and he's just going to tell us his impressions. So thank you, Jerry. Yes, thank God. Yeah. So 2013, I'll start going to Chesswood. We're handing out tracks and... We will not, people with me not experienced, we thought, okay, we just start them with handing out tracks because people have a fear what to say, what to do. But anyway, I'll come to that. So we saw few souls coming to church and few months, none, then another one. Then we start last two years, start approaching people and talking to them. We saw many people are open, start talking uh, to us and they're coming to Lord as well. We thought we're doing great thing. I thought, yeah, we, it's all happening. We're going more. And in um, the meantime, I was giving up in the middle of this. I said to the Lord, why you put this in my heart? And God says, this is a new generation. I thought, uh-huh, okay, I'll keep going then. There's a new people shift in Chaswood. So when I heard Tony, he had this ministry, I thought, wow, what a great opportunity. And the mobile, we don't have to work hard. I, because even me, every day, I go, every time I go to Chaswood, I used to think, what should I say? Well, how do I approach this person? This is old, this is young. I put, I think you don't have to do this with this mobile. You just go through it. It made it life a lot easier. Came to Chaswood, yes, when we went to Tony, Really, we met with so power of God, so powerful. I thought to Tony, this must be God. This must be God. So we saw, like I said in first service, we Jonathan there in Chaswood, but in form of Tony McLennan. Now, so I it thought was... it was Jerry, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, thank God. And I think, yeah, we used to save few here and there, but now we don't. Less than five or eight every time we go. We don't take no for answer. Thank you, Tony. Okay. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jerry, for that. And you'll notice they're all wearing a little T-shirt. Don't you love that particular fashion statement? And, uh, and it says the way of life. And the idea, of course, is to present the way of life, which you can see up there on the phone. And you can get access to that by seeing Jerry and his team afterwards. But just in the interest of time, a short comment from Madhu. What was your impression, Madhu? Um, yeah, um don't have to really do much. I just stayed in the background and pray. And then, of course, Jerry does the talking. And we just say, oh, Father, just bring someone who's really needing, who's lost, who's suffering, bring them to us. And next thing I see, Jerry's talking to someone, and they're really interested. Thank you. So you can be a, queer, a prayer warrior as well as a sword wielder. Okay, and what about Mary Louise? What were your impressions? It's definitely a battlefield out there, and for anyone who, like me, feels fairly timid and finds approaching people a little difficult, uh, this makes all the... Just getting out there and being with this crowd makes all the difference, and you feel that you're really starting to make... Do something for the Lord, you know? And we all want to do something for the Lord. And, uh, and if you want to do something for the Lord, just pass it on to David. I'm sure he'll actually tell us about his impressions as well. Uh, yes, it 
It really works, basically, going through this presentation. Often we don't really know what to say, you know, when we're talking to people. And uh, it's amazing, like, everyone likes looking at phones these days. And, and actually, you, you can do a very brief introduction and then just come up and say, do you know the way of life? And, like, yesterday, we had, um, we approached about six people, had five very good conversations. This is... Uh, just one pair of us, and we had ver- five very good conversations. Only one person said, no, I'm not interested. But, but of the others, you know, they either got right through the, pres- they got right through the presentations uh, to the sinner's prayer, um, and also uh, the others, there were some, obviously, that there's always some that maybe don't want to say the prayer, but they've heard the gospel, you know, and that's what we're called to do. Glory, glory. And David Bishop, just what's your impression overall? Um, overall, uh, like I've said to Tony and many people, I've been doing walk-up uh, evangelism with questionnaires for nearly 30 years, so, and in that time I've only seen um, three people pray the prayer in front of me. Um, so since the last couple of months, I've seen three people pray the prayer in front of us, and I think overall in chats we've had nearly 40 um, say the sinner's prayer and make a decision for Christ. And, yeah, obviously we're praying that they'll, they'll, um, they'll continue going on and, we're, and, and we try to follow them up as, as best we can. But, um, yeah, the real big difference is the Holy Spirit, um, a re-emphasis on seeing these conversations as ordained by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's uh, convincing people. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're seeing that the Spirit really work. Yeah. Uh, fabulous. What about you, Michelle? Any comment? Um, I would say that often we think that we are um, doing good out there, but... Don't forget, our God never shortchanges us. David and I, my, my husband and I, have been emboldened to take the word, you know, to strangers, to family, and thanks to uh, Tony's presentation uh, uh, a couple of months ago, we were able to show the presentation to our daughter's boyfriend, and he said the salvation's pray- prayer. Glory, glory, glory. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd just really encourage people to learn how to use the phone presentation. <clears throat> I found it uh, very helpful in being able to present the gospel clearly and um, it helps you get straight to the point rather than getting into arguments or discussions that don't really lead anywhere. It helps you get straight to the point and the people see the scriptures as you go so there's power in seeing the word. <clears throat> mm, great. Does time want to say something? Uh, I just got inspired from the journey in the beginning. It's yes. for the give a track. But um, thank you for Tony to bring our show to walk more people. That time uh, with jury is just for a few people. And now I see a lot grow up on the street. And I feel God put on me to go to tell people in the street uh, how about God, love and mercy to people. And I feel thank you all the team. And I wish to more people in the church to involve the team more in street ministry. Thank you. Oh, wonderful, Tan. Thank you. Let's give them all a hand as they take their seats. Let's give them all a hand as they take... So as they're taking their seats, let's, uh, let's ask ourselves the question, what is my response? What is my response? You sitting out here in these uh, chairs today and me standing on the platform, what is my response? What is your response? You know, we cannot do better, I believe, than the Lord Jesus who said, now is the time, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Can, can you imagine uh, the impression you'd leave on your boss if he went, uh, tomorrow morning, Monday, first thing, fresh for the week, you bowl into the boss's office and you say, boss, now is the time, Jesus said, 
The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Do you think that would leave much of an impression on your boss? It would leave an enormous impression. I did that to my boss once and he came to the Lord. How about that? How about that? He sneaked off and did an alpha course. And what a wonderful transformation in his life. What a wonderful transformation in his life. You know, as the Holy Spirit came upon him. I did, the, the change, when I told Mary Louise, my wife, that uh, Martin had come to the Lord, she sucked all the air out of the room. She was so excited. She, she couldn't believe it. I kept to keep telling her. I kept telling her that he'd come to the Lord. She couldn't believe it. And that was my boss. How about that? And then my colleague, my colleague, uh, uh, I'd met him and his beautiful girlfriend over, over lunch in Adelaide uh, some years ago. And I, 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 since I was paying for the meal, you know, I was paying for the meal. Sometimes you are inviting people, you know, paying for the meal. So I thought I'd throw the gospel in for dessert. And, uh, and uh, they pushed back. Have you ever had someone push back on you? But don't worry, the sword of the spirit had already gone in. And a few months later, he and this girl were catching up on some sleep on a Saturday afternoon about one o'clock and he was asleep and she was asleep next to him in bed and suddenly there was this great pang of guilt that hit his chest and he woke up and he felt that someone or something around the room was saying to him, you're just using her for your own pleasure and he staggered 10 feet away, collapsed in a chair and cried and howled over his sins for 45 minutes. Now that guy didn't cry, he used to play football for Australia, he was tough but he cried that day. His testimony is on australiaforjesus.org.au. His name is Edmund. And uh, his girlfriend tried to ring an ambulance thinking he was having a psychotic meltdown, but he wasn't. It was God, the Holy Spirit, bringing the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to convince people to believe. The Holy Spirit convinces people to believe. Doesn't it say that? He is the one that convinces the world of sin, of righteousness, and the judgment that will otherwise come. Can you imagine saying to your sister, what is the point of life? as you're walking along the road with her, and then 15 minutes later, joining hands with her on the pavement and leading her to Christ, just because of a presentation that was available to share with her there and then. Most of it I did verbally, but some I did with my mobile phone, and then she prayed the sinner's prayer. And what a wonderful thing to have happened to her, because I'd never been able to really connect with this particular sister for 38 years, and God created the opportunity one morning. And so I'm just saying that there are opportunities that will come to you. But, you know, the devil has a particular strategy. It's a very simple one. He says, I'm going to try and shut you up. I'm going to put all sorts of excuses in your head. I'm going to say to you that you're not an evangelist or you're not a soul winner or you're not even a personal witness. No one's interested in what you've got to say. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, the sword of the Lord in your hand is as powerful as it would have been in the hand of Jonathan. How do we know that? Because Eliab, son of Dodo, had the sword of the Lord in his hand and he cleaned up 900 Philistines in a field of barley and all the people of Israel did was come back and take the spoil off the dead bodies afterwards. And it says that his hand cleaved to the sword. They had to prize his fingers back as they took this bloodied sword from him. But that is a symbol to us of what happens in the spirit in the New Testament era to which we occupy. You know, Peter said, by my mouth, I declared the gospel and repentance unto faith to the Gentiles. By what? By my mouth. It says of the encounter that Philip had with the eunuch on the road, on Gaza Road, those many years ago in Acts chapter 8, that Philip opened his mouth. And it says also in Isaiah 55 verse 11, so shall my word be that goes from 
my mouth. So when we're speaking, we're actually using the sword of the Spirit. And you know, the, the Scripture goes on further to say that if you do these things, God will not leave you without a harvest. doesn't matter whether you're a quiet sort of person like Mary Louise. She's quiet with everyone except me, by the way. And, uh, but if, if you're a quiet sort of person, more likely to be introverted, more likely to be perhaps lacking in the normal forthrightness that some other people have, don't worry about that because the Lord has his hand on you. And when, when you stand and speak, it'll be him speaking and not you speaking. So, but that will only happen if you step out. So what happened when Peter and, uh, and John were thrown into the prison by the Sanhedrin? The Lord sent an angel to unlock the doors and the angel said, he said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. He wants you, God wants you to speak to the people the words of life. It's amazing how a word will hang in their hearing, a word will touch their lives. So I'm exhorting you, brothers and sisters, today to lift up the sword of the Lord. The devil would like to get you preoccupied with yourself. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says, He died for all so that those who live, that is, have eternal life, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again from the dead. We don't live for ourselves, we live for him. And as we do declare this word, the Bible quite clearly says, you'll go out with joy, you'll be led forth with peace, and the mountains and the hills will burst forth into singing, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. There were just masses of people who are worshipping God, because trees is a symbol of people in the Bible. And it goes on to say, instead of the thorn bush will spring up the cypress, instead of the briar will come the palm tree. Now, what does that mean? That means that something that's under the curse will now become a fruitful tree. A thorn bush becomes a cypress tree. A briar becomes a palm tree. Fruitful trees, whereas those lives beforehand were unfruitful. So lifting up the sword of the Lord is what we're calling you to do. What God is calling you to do, the scripture says, for the word of the Lord is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, Jonathan stepped out with the only sword that was available in his anointed hand and he brought a great victory. Contrast that with Saul and those involved with dead religion with his company of 600, with the sons of Eli. No hope there. Ichabod, the glory has departed. No hope there. But with Jonathan... A man with the sword of God in his hand made all the difference. Will you take up the sword of the Spirit today? Will you allow God to destroy the wicked one by the breath that comes out of your own mouth? Will you set people free from their sins in the name of Jesus? You have that opportunity. Or you can just coast comfortably along in life as a Christian, saying, I have my assurance. I have, I'm saved. And uh, I'll give a little here. I'll pray a little there. And uh, I'll just get by on a minimalist routine. You can do that, you know. But what we're encouraging you to do is step out, take up the sword. Now, you might be a prayer warrior like Madhu. We need the prayer warriors embedded with the soul winners. And as the soul winners go out, sometimes the prayer warriors become soul winners too. That's what we're noticing, and it's only happened in such a short period of time. And I'd just like to shift my conversation now to people who have been listening to this little uh, talk today who maybe don't know 
Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour. Maybe this is all a bit of a mystery to you, that you've had no real encounter with God. The scripture says that he died for all, which means he also died for you. And it may well be that in your own thinking at this time, if you were to be asked a question, if you were to stand before God tonight and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? Just a theoretical question, but it really has some actual application. You'd have some difficulty answering that question. You know, there was an old man in, in, uh, in George Street of Sydney for many, many years. Not the eternity man, but this man will go nameless today. And uh, he would spend his lunch hours just going up to people and he'd say, excuse me, sir, I've just got a question for you. Are you saved, sir? Are you sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? That's all. And he'd step back. Didn't even present the gospel. He'd turn up that somebody else, you'd see someone, be praying for them as they're walking on the street. You'd go up and say, excuse me, sir, are you saved, sir? Do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? That's all. And he'd step back. Not a very thorough gospel presentation, Jerry, is it? And uh, he never saw anyone saved. But over the years, people even in New York City, people in Australia, they got together and they said, how did you come to the Lord? Well, I met a little old man in George Street. He came up to me and he said, are you saved, sir? And I knew I wasn't. Are you going to go to heaven when you die? And I knew I wasn't. And the words haunted me. And I went and sought out to know more about the Lord and I came to Christ. So about 20 of them got together through a network somehow. And they went down to Guymere Baptist Church and they said, we hear that this little old man came from your church, but we don't know his name. We don't know where he belongs to. And they said, oh, that's Mr. So-and-so. So they all went round to his address, about 20 of them. He was 83 years of age. He'd never seen anyone that he'd spoken to ever come to Christ. And there they all were, alive in Jesus. He wept and he wept and he wept. With great gratitude to God, who had seen that his seed had reaped a harvest. And so also would your seed reap a harvest. There is an abundance waiting you. Don't let your life remain dead in sin, but let it come alive in Christ. Thanks for choosing to listen to the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge. If you like this week's podcast, then please share it with a friend. More information about who we are is available at lifesource.org.au. On behalf of Senior Ministers John and Ann Giuliano, we look forward to connecting with you next time at the Life Source Christian Church Audio Lounge.